Hi, this is Coach Sherry, and I'm the host of the Teen Wise Podcast. I'm having conversations with teens fueled by curiosity and compassion. As a teen life coach, parent educator, and mom to three, I've learned that hearing straight from teens is the best way to truly understand the world they live in and the struggles they face. Listen in to find out more. There's a sentiment that is pervasive in the teen world, and that is, I am not enough. Girls often feel like no matter what they're doing, how high they're achieving, you know, how many people they're pleasing, how many activities they're in, they just feel like they are not enough. And my guest today actually wrote a fictional book based on this premise, and she is in high school herself, so she sees it firsthand how teen girls feel like they're not enough, no matter what they're doing in life. And it's a fascinating conversation to really hear a teen girl who's stopped to reflect on this and to really heal herself in the process of writing this book. So tune in to find out more. Today, I'd like to welcome Kellen to our podcast, who has written a book, which in and of itself is amazing. And writing a book is no easy task at all. So we are going to get to listen straight from the author to hear what inspired her to write this book, what it's all about. And we're also going to talk a lot about what it's like to be a teen girl in today's world. So welcome, Kellen. Thank you. Um, I'm really excited to be here and to talk about my book and just talk about some things that are really close to my heart. So, yeah, I can't wait to dive in. And the first question I have for you is, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am 17 and I'm a junior um, in high school right now. Um, I have a younger brother and I'm really close with my family. Um, Being able to create connection is really important to me. And I think that that stems from how close my family is. What kind of stuff do you do in your free time? I love to draw and create graphics. I'm actually a part of a magazine called the Teen Creative. Our first launch is in early March. And I just love being able to create graphics for the magazine and kind of link them to some of the articles that I'm writing or some of my peers are writing. Um, Yeah, I just really like to express my creativity through art. It's really stress relieving for me. For sure. Yeah, and being a teen, there's so many stressors that are coming at you every day. And right now with COVID, that just adds a whole nother layer this year. So this is great timing for your book to be released to kind of start some conversations around mental health. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think this was probably the perfect time for me to sit down and write a book. I had talked about it with my mom a couple of years ago because she actually wrote her own book about skin health. Um, She's a dermatologist. So she was like, you know, it would be really cool if you were a teenager and you wrote a book. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, okay. And I just, I didn't know what I would want to write about. And I honestly didn't know what I was going to write about when I signed up for a teen author class. It wasn't something that stressed me out, but I just was like, I don't really know what I want to share. And then I just started thinking about something that I would want to read, especially in this time. And I felt like, you know what, I want to share something that I'm still personally working on myself and to create something that is approachable. And it's not necessarily a self-help book where it's you may feel like you you're doing something wrong if you're not 
doing all of the things that it says like journaling and meditating and, you know, designating time for yourself to like set out your goals. Like all of those things are amazing, but they can be stressful. And so I wanted to write a book that just kind of detailed the story that a lot of us tell ourselves and that we lead and kind of show the journey of a young teenage girl working through feeling like she wasn't enough regardless of who she was friends with, what she looked like, the accolades she acquired in school or on her sports team. And I just felt like it was something that I personally needed to hear. And I think it's definitely something that all of us need to hear at least once, I think more than once, because it's something that is easy to forget in a society that strives for perfection and idolizes perfection, even though perfection is not attainable. There's a reason why it's called perfect and perfection. Like it's something that just, it's an idea. It's not really a concept. And I think that's something that my book details and kind of showed me as I was writing it. I know I went kind of off track there. I'm not really sure where my track is going. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you mentioned the idea of perfection and being perfect. And I hear this a lot in um, in young girls. It starts pretty young and it gets kind of revved up when they hit middle school and high school and there's all of these pressures to be perfect. And mm-hmm. even you hear parents use the words a lot, oh, you're perfect just the way you are, you're perfect. And while a lot of parents say this from a well-intentioned place, like I want mm-hmm. my daughter to know she's perfect just how she is, um, I think that when girls hear those words, they really internalize it and mm-hmm. think, okay, I need to hold on to this and, and, and keep looking like I'm perfect to everyone to please my parents and society and, you know, everyone around. Uh, so we have to be very careful about that word. Perfect for sure. Yeah. Especially in school. I heard that word a lot growing up. Like you got a perfect score. Like you're so perfect, blah, blah, blah. And while I think most of those comments were supposed to be flattery. Um, It was something that honestly, I still have a little bit of a like jerk reaction to when I hear it. Um, Just because I already, I'm definitely one of those people that is hard on myself and just growing up and figuring out how to not be as hard on myself in school where there's a task to be achieved and if I didn't get that quote perfect score or I felt like I didn't measure up compared to my friends or my classmates I just would break down and feel like I just wasn't good enough like I just couldn't do this thing right and I think that um, term perfect for me I've linked it to like doing things the right way and Mm -hmm what I've learned is that there's really no right way to do something. You can approach it from all different angles. And um, sometimes it may be hard to see that when, especially in school, if you're being taught how to do something a specific way, like in math or something like that, where there's an equation and you have to do it that way, but it doesn't make sense to you. And you find the answer a different way. I actually remember an instance where that happened to me and I didn't solve the problem the the quote right way Mm -hmm. and um, my teacher she wasn't angry or anything but 
she was kind of like, you need to solve it this way. Like I taught it this way. If you want to succeed in my class, you need to do it this way. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, okay, like I (laughs) clearly am not like living up to her expectations. And that may have not even been her intention with saying that at all. But yeah, that term perfect in in rightness, if that's Mm -hmm. a word is something that can be kind of dangerous sometimes for sure. Right, right, definitely. So the name of your book is Simply Not Enough. And Mm -hmm. this is something that I work a lot with teen girls and I hear a lot of girls expressing the sentiment that I will ask them, how are your grades? And they look kind of, you know, downtrodden, disappointed. They'll say they're okay. And I always know to ask again, like, okay, so what do you mean by that? It's usually they have all A's, but they're not high enough A's. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just simply not enough, even though they have all A's. And I feel like that isn't just in academics, but in so many other areas of life. What do you see like in the high school, where are the areas that girls really struggle with this concept of just not being enough? Yeah, I mean, I personally, um, that sentiment that you just said about having A's, but them not being high enough. My freshman year, I really struggled with that. I I mean, just being a freshman in high school is not easy and figuring out how to like, just knowing where your classes are and getting to places and then um, having the course load be harder. And I just remember um, during my finals week, I, it was my first time ever taking finals and I was so nervous and I ended up doing well, but because I am hard on myself and Um, you know, sometimes friends compare scores. And I think that's definitely something that really, for me, contributed to that idea of not, my scores not being good enough, because my friends may have scored better than me in a certain subject. And then I thought that I wasn't as good at it as they are, and blah, 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 like all of that just constant kind of endless cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely feel like I see that idea of just simply not feeling good enough in Um, in the grades capacity in school. Um, But I also think that I've seen that happen a lot in um, just being in the locker room uh, during gym. It's not something that comes out verbally, but just the side like glances to other people and what they look like when they're changing or, you know, like, feeling like you need to hide. I've been there, but I also have seen it. And I think that that is something that is so sensitive. And it's definitely, I feel like it's exacerbated in high school because there is so much comparison to begin with. Everybody's trying to figure out who they are and what they want. And they're looking to other people for inspiration or with jealousy and it it could, it can go either way and either way, it's really not necessarily helpful. But I think that that is, those two areas are where I see it the most. And I think that they can be the most, in my experience, they can be the most detrimental because they both kind of surround like who you are and like what you are made of physically, like your body, but also your intelligence and it can, it can be really, really hard to feel like you don't measure up in either of those categories. Right. So the self-worth is taken down because of the comparison, the constant comparison and the pressures. Yeah, definitely. Like, how does this 
ultimately affect mental health? I think there's a total direct correlation. I just think that if you are constantly berating yourself and thinking that you don't measure up, your thought patterns are going to be negative as a result of that. And negative thought patterns, in my personal experience, have led me to feel really exhausted and just really sad and not feeling like I want to do anything because I can't get out of my own way and get out of my own head. And um, I think that when you think of just negative thoughts in general, that's not something that you tie to positive mental health or good mental health because they're negative and negative thoughts aren't necessarily bad. There's something to learn from and learn about how you process certain things. And that's something that I've learned and continue to work on um, every day, because I think that all of us have negative thoughts most days and it's just something that we kind of deal with and have to work around. But um, I think that self-worth and mental health are so closely tied. And if you don't feel that you're worth anything or you're not worth as much as somebody else, that just shows what you think about yourself. And I think what you think about yourself is kind of the epitome of mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, what you mentioned about all of us have negative thoughts, which is so true. Um, You know, I refer to it as an inner critic. We all have that. We see a lot in society right now, like be happy, choose happy. Like it's as simple as saying, oh, I'm just going to not have those thoughts anymore. I'm just going to have happy thoughts. There is something to be said for changing your thinking, but it's a lot more difficult than just wearing the shirt that says be happy and choose happy, right? Um, Yeah. One thing I love for people to consider is you are going to have an inner critic. So when the inner critic messages pop up, don't just ignore them. Try to push them to the side. You got to process through them. Like, why am I thinking I'm not good enough? Why do I think I need to do better? And it's like almost um, as if your inner critic is another person and you got to talk back to that inner critic sometimes and, you know, figure out why you're thinking that. And then what can you replace with that thought, you know, that is more positive? Yeah. I 100% agree. I think that the idea of just choosing happy or just be happy and just put a smile on your face, sometimes that can work, but it's it's sometimes and it's not for a long time. It's a short-term fix for, in many cases, long-term problem. If you're If you don't feel that you're good enough, that is going to persist until you kind of figure out where that root trauma is coming from and then seeing where that trauma is attaching to in areas of your life and then being able to evaluate them and evaluate those areas of your life and knock them down piece by piece. And yeah, I mean, I get the sentiment about choosing happy because I do think that it's a choice, but it is not an easy choice in many cases. And it's not, I I think that the idea of using that phrase as like a blanket kind of let's cover up the problem and deal with it later quote never Mm -hmm. is something that can be really kind of toxic and maybe triggering for some people because it's just like I just can't like I just don't feel like I have the tools and that's a whole nother story but I, I don't I don't feel that I can just change the way that I think about myself because it's not easy the title of my book, you'll be able to see on the cover, the knot is in a different color and the simply and enough are in the same color, the same kind of font and everything. 
So it's a mindset thing, but it's not, it's not like that. Just choose happy, just be happy. It's through going along your journey. You'll see that it is a mindset and a choice to choose to believe that you are good enough. Like it, it, it is up to you and that could be scary, but it also could be empowering. Right. Yeah. And I've heard from some girls who were feeling really depressed and when they got that messaging, just choose happy or choose joy, they felt even worse about themselves because they're like, why can I not just do that? Why can't I just choose joy and be happy? So yeah. uh, we have to be really careful about those sentiments, right? And, and yeah. it's a path to choose, start choosing joy and happiness over this comparison and, you know, self-loathing or self-deprecating, you know, thoughts. It's a journey. It's not something that happens overnight. Yeah, for sure. So what is the main character's name in your book? My main character's name is Hope. And I came up with it. I actually was starting a whole kind of different story when I came up with that name. And then I realized that it symbolizes her hope for better days ahead. And also hope really struggles with trusting herself and trusting her process. You know, she thinks that it should be every other way than it is. And I think that for me, hope is something that I hold on to when I'm feeling really anxious or upset that I'm not where I think I should be or something didn't go the way that I expected it to. And so it's kind of just, I love the name. And I also love that double meaning that like her journey shows you that there is hope for choosing yourself and choosing to believe that you are good enough simply because you are. And yeah. Great. What can you tell us about the book without giving up, giving away all of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a like quintessential high school story, but I think that there are elements of it that so many, especially girls, but I think there are also elements of it that boys can relate to as well. It's just, I know that feeling like you're not good enough is such a universal feeling and it's something that we've all dealt with at some moment in our lives, or maybe it's been longer um, than just a single moment, but there are elements in the book that I think are unique to Hope and her personal identity, um, but there are elements to her life that are relatable to everyone. And I just want to like say everything about it, but I, I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I want to be able to have you guys have your own experience of reading it and relating to it in your own way. But yeah, I mean, it's just the journey of somebody who instinctively and intuitively knows that they deserve better than the way that they're treating themselves. And it's the journey that she takes to discover that. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us like one of the things that she's kind of up against? So hope is up against some of the things that I mentioned earlier about uh, comparing scores to classmates or even to herself. Um, she's someone that's hard on herself and she definitely experiences feelings of anxiety in terms of like feeling that her test scores or the way that she's going about things in school is not right. Um, and she also compares herself to her teammates on her sports team that she plays on in terms of not being as good as they are or, or feeling like she's not as good as they are. And she also struggles with comparing her body image to her friends or peers and classmates at school silently. She doesn't really share that. That's something that's really 
personal, I think, obviously to Hope herself, the character, but some, I think it's something that's personal to everyone. It's something that is kind of not talked about much because it is so sensitive and it's a very vulnerable thing to be dealing with. Um, But I wanted to include that in my book because it's something that I've personally struggled with. And I know that a lot of my friends have, or just people around school. I mean, I hear things in side conversations as I'm walking down the hall. And I just was like, I think this is something that I need to include because it is very magnified, especially on social media nowadays. I feel like ever since I've been on social media, there's been this shift in the ideal body type and it's going to change again. That's the whole kind of purpose of the beauty industry. They wouldn't be making money if they couldn't change the way that we viewed what beauty is supposed to look like. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I wanted to include something about body image and the struggle that a lot of women and girls face because it's so important to know that you're not the only one that is dealing with that, even if your story and your experience looks different. Right. And one of the things that I love about your book is just bringing it to light because a lot of girls are struggling with this, that they don't feel like they're enough, that they're worried about how they're comparing to people around them. And just knowing that they're not alone, that other girls are going through this can be really helpful for them to say, everyone's struggling with this. I mean, at some level, I would, I would say that all girls are struggling with this because I know grown women struggle with this as well. Still, it doesn't just go away when you graduate high school. Right. So right. Uh, I love that, that, that you're bringing this about as a story that's approachable to say, just read this, know you're not alone, but you're also not saying here's the easy fix for it. Just do this and you'll be a okay. It's almost about like, it's okay to not be okay. And yeah. to figure out how to change things to be the way you want them. Yeah, I mean, that was really my main driving factor in writing my book. And and as I was writing it, I was just like, I know that this is going to be so important, not only for myself to look back on, but to share with other girls. Because just the notion of knowing that you're not alone is so comforting. And I think that it can really be that first step to kind of bridging the gap between I don't even know where to start and starting the journey of like okay maybe I can change the way that I think about myself because I'm not the only one that thinks these things and there and it's not that there's nobody that has the answers to and it's not that somebody else is going to give you the answers it's your journey and it's your personal story but what I mean to say by that is um that there are other people that are experiencing this that you can turn to um, in your times of need. Mm -hmm. And that's a good question to think about for girls who are feeling like this is where they are, that they, they know they have an instinct that this isn't how it should be or, and it's not how it has to be. What are the first things they can do? Like, where do they reach out to change things? Who can they get advice from? How do they start to break this cycle? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things that I've been told, I can't remember who told me this, but um, journaling, your journal will never judge you for what you write in it. And I think that being able to see 
your thought process on paper allows you to maybe see some of the parts of it that are really troublesome to you and don't make sense or that may be irrational. And it kind of gives you a jumping off point to see what do I want to work on the most or first, because there may be a lot of things that you want to work on that you just kind of dumped onto your the page of your journal. And I just, I think that journaling is something that is accessible for everyone. Um, you know, if you don't have a journal, but you have a phone, sometimes um, if I'm out and about and I just feel like I need to write something down, I'll open the notes app on my phone and I'll just type something in there or I'll text my mom or my dad um, and just say like, I'm feeling really anxious about this and can we have a conversation when I get home? And I think that's also something that's really important is having the courage to open a conversation about it. And it can be really scary if you've never talked about your mental health before. So don't judge yourself if you're scared. And if the conversation isn't easy or doesn't feel easy while you're having it, because most likely it won't be, especially if you've kept it in for a long time. But those are my two main suggestions is journaling. And if you like to draw like I do, sometimes when I was in elementary school, we learned these things called Zen tangles. And it's a form of mindfulness where it's really just you're drawing little shapes and connecting them to each other and stuff like that. And that is something that's helpful for me when I feel so anxious that I can't write anything down. It's like, okay, let me just take a minute to like draw some shapes and color them in and just take my mind off of what's going on inside my head and then I can journal. So that's another tip. I guess those are my three tips is mm -hmm. journaling, channeling your thoughts through art and talking it out. Mm -hmm. The conversations. Yeah. One of the things that I hear quite often from, from teens is I don't want to tell my friends. I don't want to tell my parents because I don't want to burden them with how I'm feeling, or they feel like they don't have a right to have these feelings because they aren't struggling on the outside, right? They have a nice home, they have parents who love them. So they think they just don't have a right to feel that way. Um, I think that once you start the conversation, you realize that the people who care about you and love you never think of it as a burden. They think of it as a privilege that you open up to them and that, you know, you're there to support them. So I think that's one thing we have to be careful as adults as well, your mental health is not a burden to anyone. It's mm -hmm. something that you have to take care of and foster and have conversations about. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been there. I felt like I was a burden to come to my parents and, and talk to them about how I was feeling because they have very busy jobs and personal lives and they have my brother to worry about and they're dealing with their own stuff. And it's just like, how could I come to them and say how I'm feeling when there's so much other stuff going on, especially in 2020, like there, there yeah. was a lot of stuff going on and continuing into 2021. There's, there's a lot of unrest in the world and it's a difficult time. Um, but I think what you said about talking to the people that truly care about you, they, that they will never see it as a burden is something that is so important to acknowledge. Even, even if having the conversation is still, you still may feel like, oh, you know, like I, I could just figure this out on my own. Like I, I, 
I know that I'm not a burden, but sometimes I still feel like it. And it's totally a process of working through feeling like a burden. It is not something that you're just like, oh, really? Like they actually don't see me that way. Like it most likely will be something that you'll have to kind of work through because you are beginning to acknowledge that your mental health is important and valid. And um, that point that you made about girls feeling like they don't have the right to feel how they feel because they're not struggling in an outward way. That's also something that I've felt and that I know my friends have felt too. I mean, I remember hearing um, in a conversation that I was having with my friends where we were talking about, we were feeling stressed about a certain thing. And um, somebody said that I mean, I shouldn't be stressed. Like I, there are so many people in the world that have it worse. And while that may be true, and there are definitely people in third world countries that like don't even have the privilege to completely tune into their own needs because there are so many things going on around them that are so much more pressing in a way that their lives may be in danger. Um, But I think acknowledging that even if you may not be struggling in the same way, or you may, you may think that you're not struggling as bad as somebody else, your feelings and your emotions are still valid and you still matter regardless. So I think that you absolutely have the right to feel the way you do. And it's a process of validating that for yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it was Brene Brown who said something about um, you have to be able to have empathy for yourself in order to have it for others. So if yes. you just look at anything you're going through and you're like, oh, but it's not as big as somebody else, you're always going to find somebody who has it worse off than you. Mm-hmm. You're always going to find someone who has it better than you. But it right. doesn't mean that you aren't worthy of support and kindness um, to yourself and to others. So I think that that's one thing we have to be mindful of. We have to take care of ourselves and be concerned about ourselves, even prioritize our mental health, because that allows us to go out into the world and make changes in other ways, but we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I love that quote. I don't know if I've heard that in that specific way before, but um, I just think that that is so crucial to take note of that, you know, you can't give love to others if you don't give it to yourself. And, um, you know, as I was saying earlier, like when I'm feeling really anxious or feeling depressed, like I just don't have the energy to do anything or um, to, yeah, I guess to just do anything. And I think that that's where that idea of giving love to yourself will allow you to go do those things or be with people and share your radiant light and everything that you have to offer with everybody else. I love that. And you definitely have a radiant light. I don't know if you know that about yourself or not, (laughs) but you're just calm and your kindness just shows through so much. And I am super excited to read this book and to, you know, go on this journey with hope and to see how it ends for her. Um, Really, it'll be the beginning if she's in high school, right? To see how things kind of progress for her. And when you were writing this book, did you feel like as you were creating hope and creating the situations that hope was in, did you almost feel like you were nurturing yourself along the way? Absolutely. 
honestly, the last week is really where I realized like how instrumental writing my book was for improving my mental health. Um, I really think that as much as this book is a love letter to all girls around the world, it is really a love letter to myself and my personal journey that I'm still working through. And it's a part of, it really was kind of a jumpstart to the healing process. I mean, 2020 was hard and for a lot of different reasons, but um, it was a particularly hard year for me. And there's a lot of things that I was working through. And so knowing that those words were able to like, live inside my heart and come out and be put onto paper and just being able to see like what was the truth for for me and knowing that like yeah like I am good enough simply because I am no questions asked because there's no counter argument to that there's no way to beat yourself down if you acknowledge that like you know what like there's nothing else that I need to do to be good enough to be better there, there's there's nothing I am enough just as I am and I think that especially in this society that's something that's so confusing in a way because it's like well I'm I'm in a society where like it's always about that next thing what else can I do how can I improve and the idea of just accepting that like you're doing amazing just as you are, you, you don't need to do more to be more, you are enough. Um, that can be kind of a shock and maybe even hard to accept. I think it, it was when I wrote that, I was like, how did that just come out of my brain and my mouth? Like, I just, I was shocked by it. And I think that's something that I want to share too, is that, you know, I'm not somebody who, has it all figured out. I'm still working on it myself. And I wrote my book as I was working through a lot of stuff. And it, I, I just never want to put up the front that I have everything together because some days I really don't. And other days I feel like I do. And I feel like my progress is really showing, but you know, it's, it's a everyday journey. And I, I feel like my book really captures that, I think, because I really wrote from my heart. And I hope that that shows through for the readers that read it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, you know, the whole theme here is not being good enough. How difficult is it for you writing this book, knowing it's going to be out in the world for people to read and review and, you know, maybe criticize? Um, you know, there's this comparison and this worry about being good enough. How does that fit in for you? I actually have never thought about that before, but I feel so strongly that what I wrote is so important. And it's so, I, I, I just feel like, I mean, there's going to be criticism with anything that you put out into the world, even the comments that you make um, in class, like somebody may have a rebuttal to say like, actually, I don't agree. And I think this and blah, blah, blah. Like there's always going to be something that somebody can say. Um, but I just feel so confident that sharing this message is something that needs to happen. And because 
this book is tied so closely to um, some of the things that I've personally experienced and that my friends have experienced that I just, it just feels so real and right that I don't think that there would be a possibility for me to feel like I'm not good enough if I receive criticism. It's just, it's too, it's, it's too important to worry about that. That's what passion is all about, right? When you're passionate about something, it's like, doesn't matter if people, there's haters always going to be out there. That doesn't matter because you're just so passionate about it. That's going to get you very far in life when you can find the things that you're just passionate about. And you're like, nobody's going to stop me. Nobody's going to criticize me out of making this choice. I'm going to just do it. Yeah, totally. So I am very curious. I mean, I know some of the, I work with a lot of teens, a lot of parents, um, but I'd love to get your take on this. Where is this messaging coming from of you've got to be perfect? You just are never enough. I think that most people's answers will probably be different because they're the root of their trauma of not feeling good enough is going to come from a different place than their neighbors. Um, but for me, I think I was thinking back on this the other day and not to out Disney. I loved watching Disney growing up, but I definitely think that um, in terms of body image and uh, being polite and not stepping on anyone's toes, the Disney princesses really kind of put that idea in my mind that like I had to not be too loud or share what I was thinking in the wrong situation or you know, like it just, you always had to be walking on eggshells and, um, especially, um, messaging about not being good enough with body image kind of comes from that as well. Um, and in addition to social media, I feel like those two things are kind of tied. It's what we see in the media, whether it be movies or TV shows or on Instagram or wherever you, uh, spend time on social media or whatever you consume. Um, but I think that those little subliminal message messages about, um, you know, fitting into the glass slipper with Cinderella, like you have to just wedge yourself in where you may not belong. Like her sisters, their feet didn't fit in. Like it, that just wasn't right for them. That story wasn't right for them. And that idea, she was the, the perfect fit. So it's kind of that idea, like you have to be doing everything right or else not qualified to be that perfect princess. Right. Kellen, we could do a whole podcast on Disney because there's yeah. also the issue of nothing is within their control. They need the, the um, yeah. prince to save them. It's their, usually okay. the wicked stepmother that's controlling them. They're like helpless, but yeah. it's just like their appearance that makes them great. So yeah. Oh my gosh. We could talk about that for hours. <laughs> That's yeah. Definitely. But you mentioned, so the Disney movies, the social media and what, a, where are other areas where kids are getting these strong messages? I think, especially in school, I mean, there's always praise being put on the kids that do exceptionally well and score high A's or are just like, good, diligent, disciplined students. And not everybody is like that. There are so many people that I've encountered at school that, you know, aren't the 
they say that they aren't the best test takers or they don't get the best grades, but they're so incredibly talented in other facets of their educational life. Like, um, you know, they could be amazing at art, but they're not the best math student and that's okay. I'm not really sure, I guess, where that message came from that you need to be good at every single subject in school, but I think it just comes from society's desire to be perfect and like I said, just do everything right. So what advice do you have to parents who are raising girls right now that are probably going through some of this feeling not enough? Yeah, um, I mean, I just wanna say that parents are doing a great job. Like they're doing the best that they can and it's a hard, I can't even like imagine the pressure of raising a kid and feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not doing these things right. Or maybe I'm like projecting onto her and making her believe that she isn't good enough. Like that is hard in and of itself. Um, So I guess I would say one thing that is important to share with your daughter there's nothing that she could do that would make you love and appreciate her less. There's nothing that will detract from her worth. And just, I guess, highlighting that she is simply enough just because she is and just as she is. Um, And really sharing that with authenticity and genuinity and just trying to, I guess, share it in the most loving way possible, I think will help kind of get the message across in the most effective way. Um, I think, you know, I've had this conversation with friends and with my parents where um, the idea of like expectations that parents may have for their kids and you know you may believe that like your parents expect something of you that they totally don't so I think having a candid conversation about what you appreciate about them and who they are as a person and what they bring to your family and just sharing that like your expectations are not that they're going to be perfect it's that they are being their true authentic self and that they ask for help when they don't know how to tap into that authentic self or they feel like they are struggling in feeling confident with who they are. Um, Just sharing that they always have room in your heart to ask you certain questions or just be able to like lean on you when they're feeling low. I think that's really important and and it will go a long way. The key word is to share it because a lot of parents all say, do you, does your daughter know that your expectations are not perfection? Does she know that you love her no matter what? And Mm -hmm. parents will usually say, yeah, of course. But when I talk to the teen, they're like, no, my parents expect this, this, and this, and it's just a lack of communication. So sharing that sitting down and telling your daughter, I love you as you are. Um, is super important. I love that. And then for teen girls who are feeling like hope or like you were feeling that they're not enough, what can they do to um, start this journey of healing and processing and feeling that they're good enough? Yeah. um, I just want to say that like shout out to you for starting your journey and for realizing that you deserve better and that you want better for yourself because that is the first step and you know some of the things that I mentioned earlier like open communication with 
people that you love and trust and that you know will be receptive to just listening to you vent about how you feel is so key. And it was something that was really helpful for me. Um, And if you have access to a therapist, I 1000% recommend doing that. I love my therapist and I have found so much joy in being able to like watch myself grow with the help of somebody who really cares about me. And yeah, so if you have access to a therapist, I would definitely um, ask your parents, you know, I really think that this would be beneficial for my health. And I mean, there are so many options, even if you're comfortable with your school counselor, that is most likely a free option. That could be something that um, would be helpful. But I, I think communication is the most important thing. And then, as I said earlier, journaling, in which is a form of communication with yourself. So, yeah. And I think that one of the key places to start is to just become aware of mm-hmm. how you're feeling that maybe you do feel like you're not enough. So being aware of that and sitting down and thinking about what are the other emotions and feelings and thoughts that you have around that. And then you, there's so many places to go from there with your conversations of who you talk to and the help you get in your journaling and all of that. So awareness is key. And that's why I'm excited about your book, Helen, because this is bringing awareness to parents and to teens. I hope parents will read this book as well to really immerse themselves in the life of a teen girl and the pressures that they're feeling. I think that's important. Yeah, I mean, in I I thought about that as I was writing my book, especially because a lot of um, hopes, thoughts are given to the reader in her inner dialogue, so you can really see how she thinks about herself or how she processes their certain things that are presented in her life. Um, and so I think that as a adult or a parent that is sitting down to read my book and is kind of able to be like, oh, I wonder if like my daughter, my child thinks kind of in that same way. Like, I wonder if I could bring a, bring up a conversation about something that Hope was dealing with or something like that. I think there is obviously adults were a teenager once and they know that it's hard to be a teenager, but I mean, there are so many different things that are happening now for teenagers. And so being able to kind of see that thought process, I think will be important for adults too, if they choose to read my book. Definitely. And I think like the best scenario is for the mom and daughter to read it at the same time so they can discuss hope and have the same language. And, and I think it's just, your book is going to bring a lot of awareness, which is just so key And I think that, like you said, you know, moms have been teens, you know, dads have been teens, but sometimes they forget what it was like to be a teenager. So this is a good way to get back into that mindset and to really feel all the feels again. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to help you to promote your book because I think it's going to be really key in starting some of these conversations about mental health, about not feeling good enough. So where can they get the book when it comes out? So it launches um, March 31st and I'm going to have an Amazon store that I will be able to post on my website that's launching early February. So everything is kind of moving a little slower because of COVID and everything, but I believe most of the sales will be happening on Amazon and through the link that'll be on my website. And yeah. 
Thank you, Kellen. This has been so enlightening and I can't wait to get my hands on the book to read it myself. Uh, there's going to be a lot of great information in there and just it's going to be a wonderful book, I know. Thank you so much. I loved having this open conversation and I hope that it in and of itself helps some girls see that, you know, they're not alone in their struggles and gives them an incentive to be like, oh, maybe I can read this book and see kind of more of what she was talking about and connect with the character and kind of explore my own personal journey of growth. And I hope that you will find that you are more than enough and more than you think about yourself on your worst days. So I hope that I inspired some listeners just a little bit. <laughs> I have no doubt you're going you're gonna to be inspiring a lot of girls and parents as well to have some good conversations. We're so glad you joined us for this episode. Whether you are an adult or a teen, it's always amazing what we can learn just by listening. If you would like more information on TeenWise and the resources and programs available, we invite you to visit us at TeenWiseSeattle.com. If you're a parent in need of more support, join our Facebook group at TeenWise Parents. We hope to see you over there.